Turn, if you would, to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. You thought we were going to be in the fifth chapter forever, didn't you? We will start with a commercial. In case you are interested in such things, my daughter and I are in Anne of Green Gables. That opens on Thursday night at Artisan Theater in Hearst. And uh, you can come see us if you want. (laughs) So we've been spending our week doing play practice, getting ready for that. We finished off chapter 5 last week of the book of Matthew. As we have said, chapters 5, 6, and 7 are commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It is the longest sermon that we have of Jesus recorded in the Scripture. And you also know that um, these chapter and verse markings that we have really aren't in the original, right? So there really is no break between chapter 5, and this is what chapter 5 talked about, and chapter 6, this is what chapter 6 talks about. It is continuing on with where we left off in chapter 5, but it is looking at a particular aspect of our Christian life. You remember in chapter 5, after we made it through the Beatitudes and we made it through you are the salt and you are the light, we talked about the law because you know that the people uh, were worried, as you and I are, that we're not doing enough, we're not doing the right things, we're not going to make it in because, well, we're just tired and we can't do it all. And over here were these group of people known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were, in my words, the professional good people. They worked full-time at being good. They kept the law to the minutia. And Jesus says to the people, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And you go, oh... I can't do that. It cannot happen. I cannot exceed the righteousness of these people who are doing it full time. And then he goes on to talk in chapter 5, example after example, where the law or the traditions of the people had taken these commandments and turned them purely into an external activity. As long as I don't murder anybody, I'm okay. But Jesus says, if you hate them, you've already murdered them in your heart. Oh, shoot. As long as I don't commit adultery, I'm okay. And Jesus says, if you lust, you have committed adultery in your heart. And we went on to talk about divorce. And we talked about, uh, what did we talk about last week? We talked about loving and returning good for evil. Somebody slaps you, you pray for them. That'll show them, won't it? It'll at least shock them. And that's where we ended off. Here are all these bad things that you have just, you're just worrying about the external. I want you to worry about the condition of your heart. But in chapter 6, he's going to turn this around and say, let's look at the good things. Let's look at good things that you do. And let's show how the Pharisees are messing those things up too. I might add, this is a mild condemnation of the Pharisees 
compared to where we're going to get when we get to, say, chapter 23. You know, my vision of this has always been, he's always been playing with the Pharisees, you know, a little bit back and forth. And he gets to chapter 23, and he just says, forget this. You brood of vipers, what are you doing? And he goes through curse after curse after curse aimed at the Pharisees. We'll get there later in the year. Here, he's going to talk about the hypocritical nature of the good things that the Pharisees do. There's a common theme that runs through the first half of chapter 6, and we see it in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. You know, yesterday I saw somebody in need, and I helped them, and I think you ought to know about it, because if you know about it, you're going to think good thoughts about me, right? You're going to think I'm a good person, because you know that yesterday I helped somebody, and I didn't really have to do it, but I did it. Aren't I a wonderful person? And what we're going to see is Jesus is going to tell us that when I do that, I may in fact get a reward. You may think that I'm a good person. You may treat me well because I'm a good person, because I did something. But that's all the reward I'm going to get. What we really need to do is I need to go help someone and never, ever, ever tell anyone. And then our Heavenly Father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward me. So what we're going to look at are acts of righteousness and how we do them to be seen by men or how we see them, how we do them to be seen by God. And that's what this chapter is about. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about storing up our treasure, and we're going to talk about worrying. I worry about that lesson, but that'll come later. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. It is interesting because if you go back to uh, chapter 5, And when we were talking about light and being salt, and we're told in the same way, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So in chapter 5, I'm being told to do my works so that people can see them. And in chapter 6, I'm being told to do my works in such a way that nobody sees it. So which is it? Is it chapter 5? Hey, aren't I a great guy and I serve a great God and I'm a great guy and, I serve a, and I'm a great guy? Or is it chapter 5? I mean, this is chapter 6 where I do it in secret. Well, you and I both know what the answer to this question is. And that is, what is the state of your heart? We do, not we ought to do, we do, Good works. Some of those good works, by their very nature, 
are done in public. I mean, let's face it. You see me standing up here. You see the pastor. You see the parking posse out. You see people doing good works. And you go, that's a good thing. But when the motivation for doing the good work becomes you seeing me, the good work loses its eternal value. Yes. Sure. What is altruism? You tell me. Doing something for purely unselfish motives. In other words, you're doing something and you're not seeking any kind of, I guess, you're doing it purely for humanitarian reasons. You're not doing it to get anything in return. His question is, is it really actually possible to do something for pure motives? And the answer is... Sure, why not? Probably not. Maybe yes. Maybe we should. There's a good answer. Let's talk about this for a moment. Because some of this passage bothers people. You know, I just read this passage. What did it say? You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Question. If I'm doing it, For a reward from God, am I doing it out of pure motive? Okay? I mean, I'm seeking a reward. The whole question in this chapter is not, is there going to be a reward? The question is, who is giving you that reward? Are people giving you that reward? Bad answer. Or is God giving you that reward? Good answer. And is that being self-centered Because, but you know what the problem with that line of thinking is? God, unlike me, unlike you, God knows the condition of your heart. He does. So if I'm doing this just to bring glory and honor to me from God, then God knows what the condition of my heart is. But if I'm doing it to bring glory to God, if I am doing my acts of righteousness that God will receive the glory, then God knows the condition of the heart and God says, that's good. I like that. Keep doing that. So the answer is, yes, throughout most of our lives, we have very mixed motives. But it's like any other sin that we continue to work through in the course of our life, okay? We do like being praised by people. And don't lie to me and tell me you don't. We do like it when people say nice things about us, don't we? But when that becomes the motivation, when that is the reason that you are doing good deeds, you will receive a reward, but it will not be an eternal reward. And that's the distinction that we're talking about. Now, Back to our friends, the Pharisees. They're going to put on nice clothes, nice outfits, so that you know that they're more righteous than you are. They're going to do their acts of righteousness in public in such a way that everybody knows that they're doing them. 
Why? Because as Jesus will ultimately call them, they are whitewashed tombs. You go over to the cemetery and there's this structure and it's well painted on the outside. It looks good. You look at that and you go, oh, that's beautiful. Somebody did a good job on that. But you know what's inside that whitewashed tomb? Death. That's all that's inside of it. Death. And when Jesus looks at the Pharisees, he says, yes, you have mastered the art of looking like you're righteous. And there's nothing in your heart but death. So in chapter 5, we saw Hear all these bad things. Avoid them. But don't just avoid the external. Avoid the heart action also. And here in this chapter, we're going to see the good stuff. But we're going to see that the heart issue is just as real when doing the good stuff as it is when avoiding the bad stuff. So, don't do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. And his first example is giving to those in need. So we're going to talk about giving, and then we're going to pass the plate and collect an offering. (laughs) Isn't that what the Baptist preacher does? (laughs) Thus, when you give to the needy, stop right there. Thus, when you, there's no if in this statement, when you give to the needy, We're going to talk about a series of actions that Jesus is just going to assume that you and I are doing. And most of them, okay, we're pretty good, at least making an attempt at, okay? Giving, we give some. Praying, we pray some. Fasting, we'll have an interesting lesson about that in a couple of weeks. And don't get me started about worrying. I worry about that one. When you give to the needy. Question. Why would you give to the needy? Why would you do that in the first place? In my younger days, I used to watch Monty Python. Okay, I hate to bring this up. I actually watched an episode of it about three years ago and I go, why did I ever watch this? But there was this skit where the charitable guy comes into the businessman and he wants a donation. And the businessman is going, I don't understand. I give you five pounds and what do I get back? Well, nothing. You get the joy of giving me five. I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. Why would I give you money if you're not giving me money back? You're not giving me property. You're not giving me stuff. Why would I give to the needy? Question. Why do we give to the needy? That's a real question. Come on. Interact. Huh? They need it. Huh? We're told to. We have it? Ha, 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 ha. Years ago, to impress upon my children 
the realities of real life, I got a stack of play money that just happened to equal how much money I made in a month. And I sat down the kids and I said, okay, this much goes to the mortgage. This much goes to the insurance. This much goes to food. This much goes here. This much goes here. This much goes here. I've got 20 bucks left over. They didn't learn a whole lot. They just wanted to fight over the 20 bucks. (laughs) But at some point in my life, I made this much money, and then I made more money, and then I made more money, and then I made more money. Okay? I'm not rich because I have eight children. (laughs) But I eat every day. I have a roof over my head, and my needs are taken care of. The question is this. As God gives me more money, is he giving me more money just so that I can increase my lifestyle? Or is he giving me money so that I can give it to those who are in need? Why do we give to the needy? Answer number one, right over here. God commands us to do it. Why would he command us to do it? Well, what did God do? He gave to us when we were in need, when we could not pay, when we could not provide, God provided. God gave to us when we were in need. What was last week's lesson? Be like God who gives to the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the field of the good guy and the rain falls on the field of the bad guy. Imitate God. Give to those who are in need. The second observation are these two put together. They have a need and God gave us the resources. Funny how that works, right? Somebody needs a hundred bucks and I have a hundred bucks but I don't want to give them my hundred bucks. Tell them to go find their own hundred bucks. Question number one, and no, don't answer this question because I'm going to tell you the answer. Where does everything that you have come from? We either believe that ultimately it comes from God and is his to do with what he pleases, Or we believe it's mine, 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 mine. You ever see Finding Nemo, the seagulls? Mine, 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 mine. That's the way we are. We live in a very materialistic society. Materialistic meaning we like stuff. And more stuff is better. The question is, does God give you extra money... And this is money above and beyond what it takes to put food on the table. Does God give you extra money so that you can increase your pile of stuff or so you can give to those in need? You might be feeling a little bit guilty right now. Good. (laughs) Thus, when you give to the needy, it does not say if. When you do this, 
We're going to do in the next section, when you pray, okay? When you fast, this is how you're supposed to do it. This, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Here it is. I'm going to give money to the poor and I'm going to call all of you together to witness me doing it. We would never do that, would we? I do know that my mother talks about when she was growing up and they would pass the plates and the ushers collecting the money would say, Brother Joe just gave a hundred bucks to motivate others in the congregation to equal Brother Joe's contribution. But we would never do that. We would never give money just to have our name on the front of a building, would we? I had a guy that I worked with years ago who uh, gave a hundred bucks to some ministry. And he was kind of proud of the fact that he'd give him a hundred bucks. He wanted me to know that he'd give him a hundred bucks. And that was a big deal that he'd given them a hundred bucks. Now, there are some side issues to this. He was giving it to a health, wealth, and gospel person who promised him 10,000 bucks in return, but we won't go there. This guy also was a well-off single engineer who had a $30,000 stereo system, and you wonder why 100 bucks was considered. But, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? But he wanted me to know that he had given them 100 bucks. Why did he want me to know that? Because he wanted me to think highly of him for giving him 100 bucks. What did I think? Why don't you go find a good organization and give them 10,000 bucks? It's interesting because I remember this transition in my life. You know, when you're a child, if you, like I was, raised in church and you're Dad would give you a nickel and you'd put it in the plate and pretty soon you had your own nickels and you would put them in the plate. And at some point, I've got a full-time job and I realized that putting nickels in the plate is not what I should be doing, right? You've made that transition where you're not the person putting the nickels in the plate anymore. You're the person providing the checks in the plate because that's what God expects you to do. But... Do we turn on the neon sign and let people know who donated what to who to provide for the needs of the church? It is interesting, and I say this to the praise of the church that we belong to right now, the pastor does not know how much money you give, okay? The, the deacons take all the money, they put it all together. When ICE came here, they didn't even record it because... They didn't want a record. They did not want a record of who gave what because they didn't want people thinking they were going to treat that. Now, for tax purposes, we were actually forced to change that, and they do keep a record. But the pastor doesn't know what that is. He doesn't know. He doesn't care because we're not going to judge people by how much or how little they give to the church. But don't you really like people to know how much you put in the... Don't you really like it? Hey, look at this, and in it goes. The Pharisees of the time would go into the synagogue, and their buddy, the trumpet player, 
would sound a note. And what he was doing is he was telling all the poor people to come. Here I am, come, and I will give you money. That was the stated purpose. You've got to let the poor know that I'm here with the money. That's the stated purpose. The real purpose is so that everybody else would know that here I am with the money, giving the money to the poor. Because I want the praise of people. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue, in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Let's look at that one word just for a moment, hypocrite. How many of you have heard that word in the last week? How many of you have used that word in the last week? How many of you have used that word about some believer that you didn't particularly like? No, I wouldn't go there. What does the word hypocrite mean? Right here we have a picture of what a hypocrite does. In order to appear to please God, they blow their trumpets so that people will see what they're doing. And Jesus says, that's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when I put on a mask so that to you I look like someone other than I really am. I go to the play, I put on my costume, and I play the part that has been assigned to me. When I walk out of the play, I take those costumes off and I leave them. But you know what? We know that's a play. But what if we did that in real life? What if you came to church and you put on your nice clothes and you looked good and you went home and you took your costume off and you went on Monday to someone else and you just, you know where this is going, right? You're just playing a part. And that is a hypocrite. Now, we as believers often are accused of being hypocrites because we don't fully do that which we preach. But you see, one of the things that we preach is that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We had a discussion last week about perfection, but we also acknowledged the fact that when I leave here, I go and interact with people, and sometimes I get mad at them. And what do I do? I repent. I confess. I apologize. It doesn't make me a hypocrite because I don't live up to the standards. It's when I have no intention, when I am playing a part, when I'm acting a part that I really don't believe that I'm being a hypocrite. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. And he knows exactly who he's talking about. Don't be like those Pharisees who blow the horns, give the money, want the reward. Ooh, aren't I good? Don't be like that. But rather, what does he say to do? But when you give to the needy, not if, when, When you give to the needy, 
Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, this is a strange picture, okay, that he has presented here. When I give some money to someone, I need to make sure that my left hand doesn't know what my right hand is doing. That's weird. I mean, let's face it. There's not a brain in my right hand, and there's not a brain in my left hand. We can talk about left brain, right brain. It's a whole different topic. These two are intimately connected in me. What is he saying for us to do? Well, what he's saying, he's painting a picture of the lengths that we need to go to to ensure that it's done in secret. To the point, if it were even possible, that you don't know what you're doing. What does that mean? It means I walk up and I give to the needy and I make sure nobody's watching and I walk off and even I forget that I've done it. Isn't that hard? Yeah. Why would I not forget about it? Because I want to savor in the glory of all the good that I've just done for my fellow man. Isn't it wonderful of me to do that? Aren't I a good guy? And I'll go home and, you know, I won't tell you, but I'll tell my wife. Just, I mean, you know, we tell her. So she'll think nicely of me. And then she might tell her prayer group, if I tell her to tell her prayer group, I don't know. (laughs) And somehow it may just accidentally get out that I did a good deed. We laugh at this, but we do it. Go ahead. We want to hear about people doing good things. We do. And let's go back to where we started all of this. Do your acts of righteousness in such a way that God receives the glory versus doing your acts of righteousness by pe- so that people can see it, so that the people will praise you. Some acts of giving, once again, by their nature are more public than others. Okay? What this passage is teaching me as, is that when in doubt, work your way this way. If at all possible, do it so the fewest people in the world know. Now, somebody can say, I had a need and somebody met it. And that's a good story. And we go, rah, rah. You don't have to know who it was that gave it. But if I were that person, wouldn't I want you to know that? And that's the problem right there. If my motivation to do it is so that you will say good things about me, then I have received my reward. But it's not from God. And that's the dilemma. Go ahead. Well, there's some people by their circumstance. Huh?
Why not? Her question was, there's some people that by their very nature, when they give, it cannot be anonymous. Why? That's right. You know, when, when you give money to this church, there is somebody that knows how much money you gave. Okay? There is somebody that knows because you're going to receive a tax form that says it. Okay? That's okay. Your accountant is not sworn to secrecy, but at least should be discreet. Okay? Go ahead. Keep going. People like, well, the Gates or, huh? you know, really mm-hmm. high profile. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. Okay. I'm not one of those people. And some things that they do outwardly uh-huh. get other people involved. Mm-hmm. Right. So some people knowing what they do actually helps. So if I give a hundred bucks to this cause and I tell you that I gave a hundred bucks, you might be motivated to give a hundred bucks also. Is that what you're saying? And that's good. Okay, I'll buy that. But why did I give the hundred bucks? Would I, would I have been just as willing to give the hundred bucks if nobody knew? I might have. And that's the answer. If I have my hundred bucks that I'm going to give and I go shopping around for the opportunity to give that brings me the most visibility then my motivation is visibility if I go looking for a need that really needs a hundred bucks and I give them the hundred bucks they're going to know about it maybe I can see to it that they don't know about it and their need is met and God we're going to see in just a moment who sees what is done in secret, it will reward me. My observation would be, if I am doing this with a hundred bucks, or I'm doing it with a hundred million bucks, the condition of the heart is exactly the same or not. Okay? There are rich people, and there are all kinds of admonitions in the Scripture for rich people to give to the needs of others. It's there. God does not give you a trillion dollars so that you can spend a trillion dollars buying donuts for yourself. He doesn't. He gives you that to do good deeds. And in the case of the gates or the baths, they seem to be doing good deeds. More power to them. I would not like to speculate, though. And I'm not going to speculate. I'm not speculating (laughs) on the eternal rewards of any of these people because I don't know them. Grace tells us that we treat it as a good deed. But God is telling us, do it as secretly as you can get away with to demonstrate that you're not doing it just to receive the praises of others. There was a hand over here. Well, what we can do is we tell people the organization that we support. How much, right. Yeah, that's a good point. I give money to this organization, this organization, but I don't necessarily have to tell you 
that I gave them a dollar or a hundred dollars. It's just, it's not relevant. My thinking is that in the spectrum, there are places that we give that it's going to be a public thing. We just can't, I mean, it just is. You know, you go to the charity auction for a good cause and you bid, you know, $500 for a $100 thing, you know that you're giving the money to the organization. And that's good and it's public. But would I be just as willing to give the $500 in such a way that nobody knew about it? And that's the question of the heart. What he's dealing with here is the condition of your heart. I mean, next week we're going to talk about prayer. There are public prayers. Okay? We pray at the beginning of the service. We pray at the beginning of class. That's good. We pray at the beginning of the meal. That's good. That's wonderful. If that's all the praying you're doing, you are a hypocrite. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? What is he going to tell us to do? You know, you know the passage. Go hide in your closet and pray. Because that shows the condition of your heart. Yes? You don't have to. Yeah. I mean, his question is about, you know, you don't have to do it for the tax deduction. That's true. You know, there's a guy on the street. He needs the money. He needs food. You give him 100 bucks. You don't say, can I have a receipt for that? (laughs) You don't do that. What is the point of all this? Are you giving to bring glory to God? Or are you giving to bring glory to yourself? Well, are those two mutually exclusive? Well, maybe not. Okay, maybe not. But who wants to risk it? Jesus wants us to work at hiding it. Hiding it. That doesn't mean that there's not things over there. You know, when you're young, you put the money in the plate because you want your children to know that you're giving money because they want to. You need them to grow up to give money to the church. Okay, I'll buy that. It's a lesson. But is the lesson see how good I am, or is the lesson we're giving glory to God, so that your giving may be in secret? You see the contrast here, right? I mean, the contrast is in black and white. That's what makes it easier for us to understand. When we get into real-world situations, sometimes it's not as black and white. Do I walk in and I blow the trumpet to announce that I gave 100 bucks, or do I just go to the widow in need and slip it under the door? That's the, that's the black and white description. Why? And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. God is going to reward us for doing what we ought to do. What does that reward look like? 
Part of my answer is, I don't know. You know, we have visions of going to heaven and Billy Graham has this huge mansion and I'm living at a shack. Now, that all kind of falls apart, though, you know, because in heaven, I'm not going to be envious of him and he's not going to look down on me and who knows? So part of my answer is, I don't know what that reward looks like. I do know that he has promised us rewards. So the answer is, hmm, I'm going to get rewards. I can get them from you, or I can get them from God. Which do I want? Well, the ones from y'all are pretty immediate. I get them now. It has some value in this life. I mean, let's face it. People who do things in public get public benefit for doing it. I'm a politician. I'm going to run for office. I want people to know that I gave $100 to this organization and $100 to this organization because, hey, I want you to know that I'm supporting it because it gives me traction and it gives me... Yes. Go ahead. No. Her question is, do verses 3 and 4 apply only to money? This passage is actually talking about money. But I'm going to end exactly where you want to be. Okay? In three minutes. Why would I choose to receive the rewards of men when I have the opportunity to receive the rewards of God? You know the answer to this. What did I say a while ago? We live in a very materialistic age. Why do we not seek the rewards of God? Jesus told his disciples repeatedly, O ye of such little faith. Hebrews, my favorite passage, without faith it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Do we accept the fact that a reward from God is real, that's the first thing, and that it's better than whatever rewards I can get from you? And the truth of the matter is, we have trouble with that sometimes. No, forget that. I have trouble with that a whole lot. I either don't believe it's real or I don't believe that it is of more value than the praise of people. And that's the problem. We're going to talk through several more of these over the next coming weeks. As I said, prayer, fasting, where your treasure is. But I want to back up to verse 1 to answer Sandra's question. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. What is an act of righteousness? Is it giving money? Yes, it can be giving money. Is it prayer? Yes, it's giving prayer. Is it? I do not think the list given in this chapter is all-encompassing. I think it's just illustrations. 
Here's one, here's one, here's one. What is an act of righteousness? My first answer, which is as broad as I can possibly make it, it's the act of a righteous person. I am fully, 100% convinced that changing a diaper for the glory of God is of just as much value as Billy Graham preaching to a coliseum full of people. We don't think that. We don't. The question is, wherever you are, are you being faithful with what God has given you? So, the question was, is it just about money? No. This, the next several verses are about money, I believe. And money is a big deal because we're very connected to our money. We're going to talk about this sometime in the weeks to come, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is, etc., etc. Money is a big deal. It really is a big deal. It's a big deal in churches. It's a big deal in marriages. You know, I'm going to hang on to my money until they pry it from my dead fingers. Money's a big deal. But when we talk about acts of righteousness, it can be helping the neighbor next door. It can be helping your spouse, your child, your grandchild, your great-grandchild. It can be doing whatever you can do. Don't sit there and think, yes, if I had all the money the Gates had, I would give money. No, you wouldn't. If you will not give your hundred, you will not give your hundred billion. That's just a fact of life. What are you doing with what God has given you right now? And when you do what you're doing with what God has given you right now, are you doing it to win the praises of others? Are you doing it for the glory of God? And God has promised you rewards. Do we believe that he will give them to us? And do we believe that they are of infinitely greater value than the rewards of people? And I told you, we have trouble with this because we're such a materialistic society. I want people to think nice of me. I want but the passage says, sneak off and give that widow the 20 bucks and sneak away and don't tell anyone. Do it once for practice. Just do it. Don't stop and ask for a receipt. Just do it. Yes. Isn't this all about your relationship with God? Yes. Am I doing life for God? Or if I'm doing life for, for me. How can our righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees? It can exceed it because we have received the righteousness of Christ. If you haven't done that, then the best that you can hope for is the rewards of men. And you'd better collect them because... You're not taking it with you. But if we believe there is a God and we believe that he rewards us, then we are to do our acts before him and not before others to be seen by them. That is the phrase. That is the motivation. I am doing this to be seen by others. And I might add, 
When the Pharisee shows up with the trumpet, we can say, hmm, he's doing that to be... When the good, devout pagan is giving the money, let's go ahead and be generous and say they're doing it for a good reason. Do they have mixed motives? Probably. But we are called to be generous people with our resources and with our attitudes. There's no reason. We're going to talk in a couple of weeks about judging other people. We'll get on that one later. So, do your acts of righteousness not to be seen by others, but to be seen by God. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you initiated all of this for us. That when we were in need, you gave and gave and gave. I pray, Lord, that we would be imitators of you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.